Hey there, this is Keith Carpenter. I get to pastor Epic Life Church, and it's such a, a blessing that you're watching this today. I want to encourage you to in, um, enjoy this message and enjoy this worship and time. But I also want to encourage you that if you're listening from a different place in this city or in this country, and you have a local church that you're part of, that you invest into that local church. It's really good that we can hear people online, men and women teach and expound on the scripture. But in the long run, we need to go back to our local church and be part of that community. So again, it's a blessing having you here. I pray that this is a blessing to you and I want to encourage you to invest in your local community. Have a great morning. Um, you know, we've been trying a new microphone out and it's getting really close to it. It's a little loud for me, Justin. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, it's good to see you this morning and be part of this community and online. It's good to see you as well. Actually, if you're online and watching us live right now, would you just uh, text in to Hector and the guys there on YouTube just so that we we would love to say hi to you and uh, celebrate um, who's who's around we don't know we see views but we don't know who is part of that so we would love to know who you are and uh, and and celebrate that so it's really a blessing to see you um, and if you're new this morning I just want to say like welcome to this community in North Seattle uh, we, we really, our vision here is to see North Seattle transformed by finding an epic life in Christ. And that's really based off of this, this verse, John 10, 10, that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we see that constantly uh, in our lives and on the streets out here. But, the, but Jesus keeps going in that verse and saying that it just the enemy's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, Jesus has come to give you life and to give you life abundant. Not just a, a normal, every, everyday life, but a, an abundant life. Um, and so that's, that's why we're here, and God has called us to this space, to this, um, this corner of the street here in North Seattle to, to be um, involved in that. And so often people ask, well, how can we be involved in that? And, if, and a couple of things. And so, um, and I just wanted to list a, a couple of things out here that are coming up. We have a basketball tournament coming up. And so, Ron, if you want to put a, a team together and uh, play some basketball, uh, these young guys are pretty hot, so you gotta you gotta get going here. Uh, so we're putting a basketball tournament together with Fellowship Christian Athletes, and uh, um, Chris uh, uh, Christopher uh, Chris Edwards is the new uh, basketball guy in Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and and between uh, FCA and Pilgrim and Four North Seattle and Epic Life, we're doing a basketball tournament on the second, so October second, in the parking lot over here at the Oak Tree Village. We're going to set it up with a whole bunch, with six basketball hoops, do a basketball clinic for the neighborhood kids, and then a basketball tournament, which I hear those tournaments get pretty hot and, and a little bit violent. So we're going to try to keep that down. But who knows? Um, my son is like, just let him duke it out. Who cares? So we might do that. Um, but we will love you for you to be involved. So it's from 9 to 4 on that Saturday. And if you don't play basketball, no problem. Come and drink coffee and talk to the neighborhood. Just be around. Uh, there's free uh, hot chocolate, free coffee for the kids. There's free hot chocolate for the kids. And, uh, and hopefully the neighborhood just comes in. And if you want to help us, like, advertise for that in the neighborhood, uh, please um, see Alyssa and I, and we can, we can put you to work doing that. And so that's kind of how you can be involved. An another thing that's happening at Epic Life, and maybe you don't know, but there's, there's actually three other churches that meet in this space on a Sunday morning. And one is a, a Mongolian uh, congregation. Another is a, a, a Eritrean 
uh, congregation, a Northeast African, and uh, another is a Chukis, which is a Mi- Micronesian Islander church. And these churches meet here in this building um, every Sunday. Often, most, most Sunday mornings, you'll see the, the Mongolian congregation just over there in the West Wing uh, worshiping uh, in their language. Uh, Eritreans is in their language in Tigrinya, and then the Chukis is also in the Chuk language. Uh, so it's really amazing. If you want to go to some fantastic worship where you won't understand anything, yet the Spirit of God is present, step into those services and be part of those communities. It's so wonderful and such a blessing. I got to go down yesterday and uh, just share a, a Bible study with the Mongolian uh, church. They're having a camp. Um, at that camp, there's 12 uh, people who are not followers of Christ uh, um, the rest of the people there are new believers who have just given their life to Christ, and they're they're new to America as well. Many of them are. Some of them are have been here for a few years working for Amazon and Microsoft. And so I just got to share a message to them through a, a translator, and it was just a wonderful, blessed time. It's so amazing speaking to people who who have never heard the stories of the Bible. Who don't? Who you can't just refer a name like Zacchaeus, and everybody kind of knows who Zacchaeus, even if you're not part of the church, right? And so that was such a blessing, and I want to encourage you to be part of those communities if you can as well. Um, now, one more thing I just want to encourage us with is uh, you you know that we don't pass the plate here. We don't, uh, and part of the reasons we don't pl- pass the plate as, for tithing and giving is. Um, uh, we we want. I think it's important that I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, we had the plate passing time, and it just always seemed weird to me. It's like this: there goes a plate full of money, and and my my young heart was like, I don't think anybody would miss. And you know, as it's going past me, right, and it's this big plate, and it's got all this cash stacked up on it, and it's just so weird to me seeing this pass back and forth. Part of the the blessing of passing a plate is we're teaching our children what tithing is and what giving back to the Lord is. Um, when we don't pass the plate, we're not teaching that, uh, or it is, there's that space anyway of teaching. And so, and so churches throughout the years have tried many, many different things. They've done special music time and tried to pass the plate as fast as possible. Uh, we have a box in the back, we, and nowadays most giving is online. And so it's, it's, kinda, it's kind of unhealthy for us never to talk about tithing and what tithing is, that it's just us saying, God, um, this is your money, and I'm going to give it back to you uh, as best I can. And so, um, and so we, don't, we don't pass the plate, but we still do welcome tithe, of course, so that we can be part of God's, God's economy of, of giving of ourselves and, and giving back what God has already given to us. But at the same time, as a church, we want to make sure we're not over here as, as saying, we're the church, you guys make all your money, give it to us, and we'll spend it for you. That, that's kind of a separation that shouldn't be there, and it probably isn't in the Word of God. Um, more like this is a better, a better connection. We need to bring these things together, uh, mission, uh, ministry, and business connected our work life, our jobs connected together so that every, every dime and every penny that, that we give back to God, it's his anyway, so we bless and give back to God that. We need to be kind of part of that, that journey, part of that ministry, so we know what's going on. And that's a hard, very hard thing to do, and it's something that takes a lot of teaching, a lot of, a lot of encouragement, um, 
So if you guys would be part of that, we, we need you to be part of that. If you come up with an idea, like I would really love to, uh, as a church, uh, bless this organization or these people. That would be wonderful. And so with tithing, uh, you know that this past year, Epic Life has lost 50% of our church uh, because people have moved away, moved out of the state and to Florida and Maine and Montana and Monroe and Ellensburg and Idaho and just go on and on and on. And so with that is a decrease in tithing, of course, but God has absolutely blessed us. And it's really amazing that God just kind of keeps things going and really abundantly. A lot of our, our tithe um, is mixed in with the uh, the giving room, our food bank downstairs. If you don't know, there's a food bank downstairs. And I think we have more food now than we ever have. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of food. If you need some food, please take it home. The freezers are overflowing, and we're giving a lot away. And, and the food, the giving room staff are working tirelessly on Mondays. If you want to work on Monday and be part of the the giving room staff, talk to Ron over here who's raising his hand right now, and, and he'll put you to work, and Pat will say, yes, more people to help, Ron. So, and Mayon has been helping so much, and so many of other, others of you as well. So, such a blessed time of prayer, helping our community. But anyway, that's, that's kind of the, the resources coming together to bless our community. A Pilgrim Coffee is part of that, a basketball tournament, working on the, the street and with uh, uh, this neighborhood. It's all of this trying to be a blessing to our neighborhood, um, wooing people towards Christ, this relationship that we have with Christ. Um, I think, so anyway, we do still do tithing. Uh, most of us do that. We do that online mostly now, but there is a box in the back as well. I think that's what I wanted to say this morning and get some things out of the way. So there it is. And, oh, you also should know across the street we have a parking lot now. The fire department is in our parking lot here. And they're paying us rent, so that's a blessing this past year. And they have opened this space across the street to Epic Life Church to park in. And so if you, uh, as this is getting crowded out here, the street's getting crowded, we'll be able to park uh, right across the street here throughout Sundays. And then our coffee truck and kind of coffee ministry is on the lower lot over there. Anyway, so let's pray together. Father, it is such a blessing to be here, to be among your people, and uh, in a space where we're worshiping together uh, in a, a community where we can uh, connect online in a, in a live setting. And I thank you, Lord, for your uh, men and women, your families, your boys, your girls, your, your adults and kids, and I just praise you that we get to do this together. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that this morning would be a blessing uh, to you, a blessing to us, and that we would feel this connection with your spirit that would that would change us, maybe, would propel us into something new. Uh, may this, uh, this morning awaken something new in us, something different in us. Maybe it would awake something that we knew at one time and it's kind of slipped away into memory, into fuzziness. I pray that you would awaken us to you and your spirit this morning. Thank you so much for letting us serve you. Thank you for letting us encourage and bless people around the world. Right now, I pray for Ricardo and Mary Esther in Peru and the struggles that they've had this year with the school and having to shut it down because of COVID and being separate uh, 14 hours uh, in, in separate locations and finally getting back together in Lima. Thank you for letting us help them and support them. And I just pray, Lord, that you would, you would care for them uh, and love them. I pray that those kids that we've supported in the school as they're 
uh, wow, Lord, just kind of in this messy space in Peru, I, I pray that they would uh, be able to continue to, to know you and know people who know you. I pray that our ministry in the, the regions of, of Tibet and other places and our, our friends, the Brookshires and others, Lord, I pray that you would, you would give us opportunity to care for them and that they would be able to do your will and the space that you've given them now. Thank you for letting us be part of these ministries and part of ministries in Turkey and uh, in Iran, uh, in places around the, the country and around the globe. You're so, so good, God, and I just praise you and thank you for this morning right now. In the name of Jesus, uh, amen. I do pray that this morning would awaken something in you that, uh, that maybe has been asleep for a while. A while back, we studied Ephesians, and just to start things off a little bit, it's going to be a little different morning. Um, I want to encourage us and give us some chance to meditate on some verses. But sometimes we need to just, are, we've fallen asleep a little bit, and we need to be awoke, awoken, awakened to, to what God's doing in our lives. And in Ephesians 5, Paul says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead. This is Ephesians 5, 14. Rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you life. Be careful how you live. <laughs> Be filled with the Holy Spirit and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. and Make music to the Lord in your heart and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May this awaken you today. I'm going to present some verses to you. This morning I'm going to be talking about seeking after God and what, what it is to seek Jesus, to seek Jesus. And so here's some verses, and I'm going to put these up here, and they're going to stay here for about 45 seconds. Not a long time, but I want you to, if you do, I, I hope you brought some, your, your paper Bible. I hope you bring some, something to write some notes down. Uh, even paper notes would be fantastic. I love paper. Uh, if it's digital, that's fine, but a place to write some things down here. I'm going to show you some verses, and these verses have, uh, they're all, they all flow with the same thought about seeking Jesus. And as you read this, I just want you to, to read through it. Um, see the, the words that talk about seeking Jesus and maybe just write those words down. And we're going to spend, there's about 10 of these verses, and so it's going to be somewhere around 9 or 10 minutes, and we're just going to sit with some music going as we're reading these verses. All right? All right, let's do this. It does something to us. When we seek Jesus, when we seek after him, Verse after verse tells us that we will find him. There will be a finding. So I'm, I'm curious, maybe from, from you, if you're brave enough to shout this out, what did you see in there? What stood out to you? What, what verse was really powerful? Okay, faith is a big part of it, right? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. We seek after God when, when our faith is there to, to seek after. Trust him, depend on him, and seek him. Yes. Yep. That's good. Yeah. 
It's a movement of our soul, right? Yeah. It's not just waiting around. It's good, Pat. Mm. Humble yourself, seek, and turn. It's good, Pat. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there is a wholeheartedness, a fullness of it, right? Not just I, once in a while, part-time, if I think about it. Yeah, that's a good one. Those are good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, constant. Oh, Joey. Yes. Seek him and move forward together, yeah. Wow, that's so good. I uh, I think we 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 can. I don't know about you, but often we we find ourselves giving our lives to Christ, and and this incredible passion that wells up within us, and and uh, and then at some point we kind of we kind of go to sleep, or there's a a mask pulled over us. It's it's like the the farmer who was sowing, and he sowed in this one area the word of God, and it fell among the thorns, and they, they grew up because the soil was actually a good soil, and they grew, yet the thorns of the world choked them out, and there wasn't any fruit. There, they grew, but there was no fruit, and there was a sleepiness that came about, right? I don't know if we thirst after God. When I was 16, my mom dropped my father and uh, my brother, younger brother off on a gravel road high up in the mountains in Idaho. It's called Moore's Lake. And we hiked down off the road and into this high country lake and, and camped around the edge of the lake for a few days. And there's water, fresh water everywhere, creeks coming out of the hillside that we would drink to. This is before Giardia. We would drink right out of the stream, right? And and we would catch frogs. We had frog legs that night and and fishing and this just fresh water and and, and a thick forest of, of fresh water and all the water we needed. And, and it was a beautiful couple nights of camping by this lake in the high mountains of Idaho. And the next couple of days, we would hike down through the breaks and down into the lower lands into the Clearwater Village. Uh, Clearwater River Valley uh, canyons. And as we were coming down farther and farther, we were recognizing that there was less and less water. We didn't have filters. Like I have a filter nowadays that can filter out anything, even chicken. And it can it can just filter, right? And But we didn't have those filters at the time. And, and so we had those little tablets, but they didn't really, they would, weren't good for dark or murky water. And so we were coming down into the breaks and we left the the clean mountain water behind. It was like a distant memory. And we were walking around, and, and in the, the west, in the Idaho Rocky Mountains, um, even eastern uh, Washington here, you, you can notice the north and south parts of the mountains because the south part is like a, a dry, burnt, crisp uh, land, and the north part has trees on it. So we're walking around, bend after bend, uh, following the uh, river path and the canyons, trying to get to the Clearwater River where my mother was going to pick us up on the other side of the mountains. So here we are walking around this. And we know that every bend, we'd be on the southern part, and 
or south, we'd be on the southern part and coming around and coming around on the north part and we'd get some trees and then we'd come back on the south part, come back around. We were following these. We know that every valley should have a, a little creek in it. And usually in, when it's springtime and the water is running and there's lots of water, there'd be a creek here every time we'd come around a hill. But the farther down in there we got, these creeks were dried up. They were dried up more and more and more. and They were just these little murky puddles that we couldn't drink out of. We had a few raisins left, some dry raisins that would keep our mouth a little bit moist, but we were really, really needing water. And we kept hiking and longing for some water, some springs coming around that hill, hoping so much that we'd come around the hill and we would we would get a spring. And finally when we did, and it was a spring that was running and there was fresh water, it was just this, yes, water, water. So much of our life, I feel like, is us walking around these dry hillsides looking, hoping for water, hoping for a refreshment of our soul, refreshment of our soul. And often we hope that that's going to be filled up by our world. Like something in our world will give us this refreshment in our soul. It'll help us. It'll, it'll fill us up. It'll, it'll be something that washes over us and cleans us. And at first it starts to do that, the... the uh, uh, the things of the world are make us happy. They make, give us a fulfillment, a taste of fulfillment anyway, a taste of enough, a taste of, of being refreshed. But then we find out fairly quickly that if we don't do more or add to it or buy something more or do more or shoot more or drink more or be more or go after more and more and more, we realize that this thing isn't fulfilling us at all. In fact, it's, it, it might be doing something to our body and our, our emotions maybe, but it's not really filling our soul up, right? There's, there's something more that's needed. And so we start in the world, we start seeking after more and more and more, and, and we end up finding ourselves in the, mid, the midst of abuses and addictions and these things that we didn't even know completely how we got there. And we think about our salvation when we gave our life to Christ, and it seems like such a distant memory, like a mountain lake way, way up there somewhere. And these hills we walk around, these hills that we we course around on this dry path, dry hills, we're just searching for something to fulfill us, something to come over us, something to wash us. That is... Over and over and over, the the Gospels, the Old Testament writers, the prophets, David in the Psalms, he writes about searching out this water, searching out the, the refreshment of the Lord, the refreshment of the King. And guess what? When we seek after Jesus, we will find him. Come to find out, you always find what you're actually looking for. Last week, we talked about the disciples in a boat. And fantastic verses in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus tells his disciples to get into a boat and they're going to go across the lake to the other side of the lake. And they get into this boat. You know this story well, perhaps. And they get into this boat and uh, Jesus goes to the stern and he takes a nap and the disciples are rowing along across this lake and a storm hits. 
and the storm is violent, and the water's coming over the side of the boats, and the, the disciples go from a place of, of uh, security and comfort and bliss on this lake to a, a place of fear, and, and te- they were just terrified that they were going to die. It was that rocking back and forth and swamping the boat as they're cleaning out the boat and rowing and trying to get to the other side of the lake. We can blame the disciples often for being terrified and, and not having enough faith, right? But what they did, they actually did something that was really good. In the midst of that setting, in the midst of that terror, in the midst of that um, crazy weather on the lake, they did something that was really wise. They went to Jesus. <laughs> they, look, they went to Jesus, right? Often we don't, or often we wait until the storm is so horrible, Jesus is maybe the only option. They did go to Jesus. That's a testimony for us as people that we, in the storms of our lives, that we can seek out Jesus. First and Second Chronicles, a couple places in there, the Old Testament would, and prophets would say stuff like, if you seek Jesus, if you seek God, you will find God. God would speak to the prophets and speak to the people. If you seek me, you will find me. The disciples turned to Jesus and they, they looked down at Jesus and, said, and shook him like, I don't know, something was shaking him already, but they shook him again and, and, and got him awake and said, Jesus, don't you even care? They went to Jesus. And, and throughout the Old Testament, the prophets, the writers would, would speak the words of God and, said, and God would say, hey, if you seek after me, you will find me. You will find me. And that was talking to God's people. The Bible also says that no one seeks God. So there's two sides of the equation, perhaps. Um, often it is people who are not Christ followers who do not seek after God. It's pretty evident in the scriptures that it's the Holy Spirit drawing us to himself. The Holy Spirit is drawing us in that man on his own isn't going to seek after God. That when we do start seeking after God, it's a stirring of our spirit. It's a something like this world is unfulfilling. This world is in chaos. I need some something. And I don't know what that is. The Holy Spirit at that moment will woo us to himself where we think we're looking for him, but in the long run, it's God wooing us to himself. Here I am. Here I am. Once we give our life to Christ, uh, he, he died on the cross to save us. He, he died on the cross to take away our sins, to put the burden of, the sin, of our sin on his own shoulder and put that to death. And he rose again to prove that he was God, that, that, was, that what he said would happen actually did happen. And when we give our lives to Christ, this is a symbol of, of a, a regeneration, a transformation of our soul. And when that happens, now we do seek after God because we have the Spirit of God within us. But often it becomes murky. It becomes a distant memory. And often that happens because we don't continually seek after Jesus. Something changes in us when we seek after Jesus. Something changes in our perspective. Uh, It changes the way we look at things. It changes our heart in a lot of ways. Jeremiah says, when you seek wholeheartedly, you will find me. And so there's something in the seeking that changes our perspective, and we see something from a different angle, a different way. We understand things differently. It does something to us. In fact, when we seek after God, I would, I would argue that it's a, it's a brand new repentance in a way. 
that we're going after God saying, I need you. And the disciples went after Jesus in the stern of the boat and saying, we need you. We cannot do this ourselves. In fact, we're going to die without you. They came to a place of repentance in their own life of saying, we can't do this. Isn't that kind of what repentance is? Finally coming to a place of going, I need more. I, I can't do this. I've tried. I've tried to fill myself up. I've tried to give myself water. I've tried to take the things of the world and, and, and fill this, this space, refresh my soul. Repentance is coming to the place of saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it at all. It's not working. So I think seeking after Jesus is a new perspective, but it brings us to a place of, of repentance in our own soul. Often people come to Jesus. Romans 5 says this, that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ Jesus to die for us. And while we were still sinners, he sent his son to die for us, that we weren't even looking after for Jesus, that we were still sinners. We still had our back to him. But once we come to Jesus, we start seeking. After we repented and believed, our perspective changes, and we start seeking and God can say something to us like this, seek my kingdom. And we understand what that means. As a person who doesn't follow Christ, seeking God's kingdom is kind of a weird thing. It's kind of, what am I seeking after? The law? Am I seeking after a new system, a new way? Uh, do I have to seek God so that he'll love me? And so seeking after God really only makes sense to followers of Christ. Because it changes in our soul. There's something different in our soul. I've discovered that seeking Jesus in the midst of life wholeheartedly is a continual act of repentance on my own self-reliance. This is just me. But I've discovered that seeking Jesus in the midst of life and seeking him wholeheartedly is a continual act of my own personal repentance, repentance from doing my own self-reliance in my own life. Seeking him gives up me. Does that make sense? Seeking Jesus gives up me. And honestly, we don't really want to do that, do we? Because if I give up me, I might not get my dreams and my desires. I might not get my hopes. I might not get to be fulfilled. I might not get to do that one thing that is so important to me. If I, if I give that up, how will I ever be fulfilled in that? So I'll seek Jesus. I'll, I'll seek him a little bit, but I will hold on to this. You know, the story is told about the crusaders who would be baptized in the water but would hold their sword out of the water. God, you can have my whole body, but you can't have this. And then we see what happened with that, right? Seeking Jesus, seeking him gives up me. It's a daily turning to my Savior for his daily bread. A daily turning to the Savior for his daily bread. And so Matthew 6, 34, right? Um, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has his worries and his troubles enough. So seeking Jesus daily starts filling us up for tomorrow even. Seeking Jesus daily changes everything. It changes how we focus on God. It changes everything we're about. Seeking Jesus fo focuses on Jesus, turns my eyes 
my soul eyes, maybe even my physical eyes to Jesus. Seeking Jesus daily changes my attitude. It focuses my attitude back on Christ and off of my own wants, my own desires. Jesus knows our own wants and our own desires, and he is willing to fulfill those, actually. But we need to be seeking after Christ. Seeking Jesus changes my vision Seeking after Jesus focuses me and changes my mission. Seeking after Jesus changes my soul. It changes me. It transforms me on a daily, continual basis. It gets me off of myself. Seeking Jesus, it focuses me on Jesus and not on myself, not on my own personal riches, not on my own social class or society or culture or chaos. It keeps me off of my own, my own wants, my own desires, my own needs, my own hopes, my own goals, my own fears, and my own possibilities. It, it takes my focus and puts them on Jesus and off of myself. And often we find in our focus on ourself, it's this spinning of trying and attempting and trying and attempting and never being fulfilled completely, even though we achieve things. When my brother and I were young, we would take our our big pans, uh, gold uh, uh, sifting pans, and we'd go down to the Clearwater River and we'd go into the sand on the Clearwater River thinking that we were going to get rich. There had to be gold in the Clearwater River. There's lots of shiny stuff, so surely that was gold. So we'd take our pan and we'd go down by the water and we had no idea what we were doing. We'd just shake this looking for, I don't know, a nugget like that, something to fall out and like chunk, there's a nugget. And we would seek this gold and we would look for it and and just hope for it. And sometimes we would find um, these tunnels on the side of the the river. And they were old gold mining tunnels that the old prospectors had had dug into the, the hill. In fact, the gold rush of Idaho was even bigger than the gold rush in California. Most people don't even know that. And so along the river, there's all these tunnels that people had dug back into there. And so we'd go in there with our flashlights looking for a vein of gold, searching for gold, searching for something in there. There is actually a parable that Jesus says about the same thing. You see, if we would have found some gold in that, we could go to the, even if it was on private property or government property, we could go to the governing officials and, and stake a claim and we would get that claim. The scripture says that the kingdom of God is kind of like a man who, who found, who was digging around in a field and he found a pearl. And it was a pearl of great price. And he buried that back into the ground, flattened it over, put some grass on there, pretended it wasn't there, went off, sold everything he had so he had enough money and he went and bought that field. And he went back to the field, I'm sure he dug up that pearl and he had this pearl of great price searched for it, and then did everything he could to take hold of it. That passage often is taught, people preach that passage talking about salvation. But I wonder if it has more meaning to us as Christ followers. Like that pearl of great price, when we discover it, that we discover seeking after God, pursuing him changes everything, that we would wholeheartedly with everything we have and selling everything we have, go and buy that field and find and get that pearl. You know, seeking Jesus with all of my heart brings all of me to all of Christ. Christ, of course, will give all of himself to us, and that's his, his persona, his ethos of life, is giving everything to us. But when we turn and all of us, we kind of have, are at this place of being able to 
receive all of Christ. The rest of our lives kind of fade away. Faded fear allows joy to erupt. Faded riches and desire for riches allows joy to erupt. A faded um, concern about culture and society and the chaos we're in, when that fades away, it allows joy to erupt out of us. Joy erupts when we seek after Jesus. Seeking Jesus causes a problem, though. Remember this man named Moses? Moses went to the mountain, (laughs) right? He took the children of Israel, and they camped around this mountain. It was God's mountain, and and God called Moses up there, and God went up, and he spoke with God. And and Moses was this man who who sought after God and looked for God, and, and, uh, and God brought him up to the mountain. And so something happens in the Christian community when you're seeking after Jesus. A chasm starts forming, and you'll notice yourself in a separation between other people. So the children of Israel did not stop being the children of Israel. Moses went on to the mountain, and he was meeting with God. The children of Israel were down below. They were still the children of Israel, but they decided that they would worship a golden calf. They decided they'd go to Aaron and say, hey, Aaron, what can you get to pop out of the fire for us to worship? Because this God guy is not coming back. This Moses guy is just stuck someplace, and we don't know where he is. And so the children of Israel became this a base, chaotic group of people. Moses comes down, and there's a big story here, obviously, full of chapters and chapters in Genesis and Exodus. And, and, Exodus. and Moses comes down, and he sees the people. And Moses and the people, there's a chasm between them, a separation. Still the people of God, still the man of God, and he had his face was glowing because he had been around God. The people were afraid to be around him. The people were falling into sin. They were still people of God. Something kind of dangerous happens when we seek after God as Christians. The distance between us and people who are Christians but don't want to seek after God but just kind of live in culture and live in this world, the distance becomes wide. It's a dangerous place to be, and I would never... I'd be the last person to say and point to people who are separate, right? But there is a difference. It happens. And you see men and women of God who are, who are powerful and effective and infective in the way that they speak and the way that they've been present with God. Someone like Mother Teresa will say something crazy, like, the closer I get to God, the more I realize my own sin. And she's saying that to people who don't even pursue God in their Christianity, right? And so people who don't pursue God really don't want to be around these people unless it's way far off on a stage or in the, on the Internet somewhere. And it creates this chasm. And often people who aren't wanting to seek after God feel this, this level of shame. It's the enemy. The enemy is about shame, right? Whenever you feel shame and guilt, it is from the enemy 100% of the time. And so when somebody who is seeking after God and, and so desiring to be with God and seeking with their whole heart and their whole being and continually at it and they're, they're speaking to someone who doesn't do that and don't, doesn't want to do that or allowing the things of the world to choke them out, they come in, they're just speaking and talking about the joy and the encouragement and the ones who are stuck in the weeds are going, oh, no, no, don't be around me. They start calling them things like, pious or, I don't know, 
There's a glowing and there's a dullness. Acts 4.13, the religious leaders, those who knew the word of God but didn't seek God, they would look at Peter and John and the others and go, I don't know where these guys got this. They looked at him going, but I, they knew they had been with Jesus. <laughs> they looked at Peter and John, and the people around them knew that Peter and John had been with Jesus. In my opinion, we have two choices in any situation. Seek after me, you seek after you, or seek after Jesus. Those are really our two options. And the Bible says in, in Matthew 6.33 to seek first, what? The kingdom of God. Seek that first and and. Not even seek his righteousness first. Seek the kingdom of God, Jesus, the spirit of God. Seek that first. And the righteousness part is almost secondary. It can't be first because it'll become legalistic. So we can learn to seek after God first instead of waiting until we are about to die. But I want to tell you it's never too late. So I want to encourage the church to seek God before you're in the storm and you're about to die. Seek after Jesus on a daily basis when it seems like you don't really even need him. Don't wait till the storm hits. But men and women, it's never too late. If you're in the storm and you haven't been seeking him, it's not too late. Seek him. He will get up off that cushion. He'll, he, that, that epitome of peace is right there. When you find yourself in the storm, seek Jesus. <laughs> when you find yourself afraid, Seek after Jesus. When you are watching things around you crumble and fall apart, seek Jesus. When you are confused and you can't see the path, you can't make it out and there's confusion and darkness, seek Jesus. When you've lost your job and you've lost your friends and you've lost your love and you've lost your happiness, seek Jesus. When your family is falling apart, Seek Jesus. When you are feeling hopeless, seek Jesus. When you're weary, when you're tired, seek Jesus. Are you hearing a theme? It was all the way through the Bible. When you feel ashamed for your own rebellion, seek Jesus. When you're weighed down with guilt, seek Jesus. Men and women, when you're happy, Seek Jesus. When things are good and life is good, seek after Jesus. It changes everything. Changes everything. How do you do that? Some of us could get up here and say this much better than me. I'll just tell you how I do it. And uh, and maybe read and listen and see and 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 seek after people who, who are or just go be with people who are seeking. Jesus. Um, yeah, so wholeheartedly and continually. So here, here's four things, okay? I would say seek Jesus intentionally. Intentionally. Like, find a, it's something that you got to plan even. Like, do it intentionally, not just flippantly or off the cuff. And that's okay. It's okay to do that. But what if you, we as a con- community, as a Christ follower, were seeking Jesus intentionally? And that's kind of why we started the discipleship groups, to study the word intentionally together with other people. Seek Jesus intentionally. Seek Jesus continually. 
intentionally and continually. And the Bible, obviously, throughout those things that we just read was this continual pursuing of God that it's not just a one-off, it's continually, it's, it's often, it's intentional and it's continual. And it's individual as well. But it's also communal. It's important for us to seek Jesus alone. To not always have to have outside interpretation or people or things or or distractions, but find a time when we are individually, personally seeking after Jesus. But it's also important that we do that together. That's kind of why we do a Sunday morning. I'm really contemplating and thinking about starting a Sunday night service over at a local coffee shop to kind of maybe get some and help people seek after Jesus in a communal way that maybe people aren't willing to come to a church building. I don't know. But individually and communally is important. Here's what I do. Uh, In the morning, I get up about about 5.30 in the morning. And the reason I do that isn't because I want to, but because I have kids. And I've realized that once my kids get up and Christine and the kids and everybody in the house starts, it's going to be hard for me to sit down and seek Jesus. (laughs) It's going to be hard to get some time with God. And so I just decided to back it up. At one time, I backed it up to 6.30, and then, you know what? It's got to be 6. And then it was, Jesus, I just want more time. So I backed it up to 5.30 and 5 sometimes. And I go downstairs, I make some coffee, and in the wintertime, I'm still happy wintertime's here, I make a fire, and I sit in my chair, and I get some coffee, sit by the fire, and I open the Word. And what I do is I have a journal like this. And it was, it's something that's small. It's actually something that I can bend around like that so I can write. And, and this journal represents the book of Colossians and Philemon and the beginning of Galatians. And I took every single verse in the book of Colossians, and I just write the verse down on top. And then I allow and ask God, would you teach me what this verse is? Of course, with the other verses around it as a whole, but I just wanted to go verse by verse. And I wrote that verse down, and then I write an entire page of thoughts, asking God, show me. Show me what I need to learn today. What's my assignment today? What can I learn out of this today? What can I bring to the breakfast table and teach my family today? What can I bring to our staff or our church today? What, what is it today? And then I try to do that every day of the week. And I don't always. That's okay. Sometimes it's just prayer and on my knees. Sometimes I wake up late. But I love to look back in this and go, God, this is you teaching me verse by verse every morning. Intentional, continual, individual, and then communal. There's nothing holy about this, and I would hate for anybody to say I've got to do it this way. You got to do it the way God is calling you to do it. But I would encourage you to seek Jesus and not just say, that's a good idea. I think I'll do that someday. <clears throat> that's what I do. People have other ways to go about that. One of the reasons we wanted to do the discipleship groups is to read the, the text, the Word of God together, not just a book about what somebody else thinks about the Word of God, but read the Word of God together and then talk about it together, seeking after Jesus in the Word of God. Um, men and women, we have, a, we have a wonderful and beautiful time that we get to minister in the city of Seattle. Let's do that together, individually seeking Jesus, together seeking Jesus, so that people in this neighborhood will know Jesus.
Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you're available to us. I thank you that when we seek after you, 100% of the time, you will be found. That you make yourself available to us. And so I pray that we would seek after you with our whole heart, that we'd be intentional about it. We would pursue you. We'd look for you like we were looking for water to refresh us, and we would seek it out like a, a thirsty person, like a person who's dehydrated and hasn't drank for days would seek out water. May we seek you out. And Lord, it has been my experience, and thank you for this, that you are found every time I seek you. May we do that as a community. And Lord, as we stand and worship you with another song, we, we thank you for being our God. And forgive us for not seeking you. May we start that. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you have a stand, uh, stand up here, and we're going to sing one more song with Justin. And just respond to Jesus in your soul.